Hello and welcome. I'm Valerie Dalton, founder and artistic director of the Live Literature Company. This is the last in our podcast series on deafness. I'm focusing on Beethoven for his 250th birth anniversary and his own deafness. I'm also going to talk about my own personal journey with some of Beethoven's music, which I hope will further illustrate his greatness. In a recent conversation with British Sign Language expert Christina Lambie, she said it is a myth that deaf people don't enjoy music. We discussed that Beethoven, when he was profoundly deaf, turned the volume up very high and lay on the floor so that he could feel the vibrations of the music. My hope is the deaf community will be able to do the same to appreciate the music at the end of this podcast. In a recent newsletter to the subscribers to my company, I wrote that I had been delighted to discover at the British Library that musical scores are catalogued under literature. This broad definition of the word literature is at the heart of much of the performance work I have staged with my company, in which music has often been an integral part. I am deeply indebted to Jan Swafford's brilliant biography on Beethoven, Anguish and Triumph, for much of my knowledge about this great composer. In this he writes that the pathétique piano sonata is one of Beethoven's first musical expressions of the sorrow and despair he felt when he discovered he was going to be deaf. Beethoven was born on December 16th, 1770, and composed the Pathétique in 1798, which was then published in 1799, when he was 29 years old. My own journey with Beethoven began with playing the slow movement of this sonata. I played it over and over again in the music rooms of the secondary boarding school I was at. In doing this, I felt someone else understood and expressed my emotional state, and Beethoven became my kindred spirit. The hammer of fate fell on Beethoven in 1798. He was composing in his flat. A tenor he had been having a musical argument with left the room, then returned, pounding on the door. Beethoven was then in the middle of composing. He rose from his desk, so furious, in such a rage, he was struck by a fit and then fell to the floor face down. As he got up, he said, I found myself deaf, and have been so ever since. At that point in time, he was not completely deaf, but what he heard now was a squealing, buzzing and humming in his ears, all day and night, tinnitus. Beethoven was 27 years old when this horror happened in his body. He feared it would ruin his career if people knew his panic and depression about this unbearable reality, that his hearing was declining. So he hid his true feelings and turned his confident face to the world. Inevitably, the experience entered his music, as expressed in the Patetique Sonata. It expresses a tragic intensity not heard in his music before. Of course, going deaf is the worst thing that can happen to a musician. In addition to his progressive loss of hearing, Beethoven's body was racked by vomiting and diarrhoea. 
his despair could have driven him to suicide, knowing that he faced a steady decline into silence. But he met his suffering with extraordinary endurance and courage. He once said that technical analysis was counting of syllables, as if describing the metre of a poem could explain what the poem is about. Eventually, Beethoven came to call himself a tone poet, and the slow movement of the pathétique is a supreme expression of this. I am fortunate that when the pianist Sam Haywood was a postgraduate student at the Royal Academy of Music, he came to live in the spare room in my home. He is currently in lockdown in the Greek city of Thessaloniki and has made a special recording there of this slow movement on his Yamaha digital piano. I am delighted that we can listen to Sam's recording at the end of this podcast and this story about Beethoven. Beethoven was in grief at the possibility he would not be able to realise his supreme gift. In 1801 he wrote, My ears hum and buzz day and night. In 1801 he then wrote to his childhood friend, a physician named Wegler, a letter which must have been heartbreaking to read, for to be deaf and a composer was unthinkable. Wegler knew it could mean the collapse of his career. The letter Beethoven wrote is as follows. My dear, kind Wegler, but that jealous demon, my wretched health, has put a nasty spoke in my wheel, and it amounts to this, that for the last three years my hearing has become weaker and weaker. Beethoven had to confide in someone, and Wegler was his choice. The letter continues, I must confess that I lead a miserable life. For almost two years I have ceased to attend any social functions just because I find it impossible to say to people I am deaf. And if my enemies, of whom I have a fair number, were to hear about it, what would they say? In order to give you some idea of this strange deafness, let me tell you that in the theatre I have to place myself quite close to the orchestra in order to understand what the actor is saying, and that at a distance I cannot hear the high notes of instruments or voices. As for the spoken voice, it is surprising that some people have never noticed my deafness, but since I have always been liable to fits of absent-mindedness, they attribute my hardness of hearing to that. Sometimes, too, I can scarcely hear a person who speaks softly, but if anyone shouts, I can't bear it. Beethoven was fearing he was facing the end of his performing career. His letter goes on. If at all possible, I will bid defiance to my fate, though I feel that as long as I live, there will be moments when I shall be God's most unhappy creature. This letter was followed by another. Two days later, he wrote to Karl Armender, a minister. In this, Beethoven writes, Let me tell you that my most prized possession, my hearing, has greatly deteriorated. You will realise what a sad life I must now lead, 
seeing that I am cut off from everything that is dear and precious to me. It is not surprising that Beethoven was on the brink of suicide. There was one thing that held him back. In 1802, in his misery, he wrote a letter to his brothers, Johann and Caspar. He kept the letter secret, never sending it in his lifetime, probably intending it to be read to the world after his death. About suicide in this letter he writes, It was only my art that held me back. Oh, it seemed impossible to me to leave this world before I had produced all that I felt capable of producing, and so I prolonged this wretched existence, truly wretched, for so susceptible a body that a sudden change can plunge me from the best into the worst of states. He continues, Patience, they say, is what I must now choose for my guide. And I have done so. I hope my determination will remain firm to endure until it pleases the inexorable parche to break the thread. Perhaps I shall get better, perhaps not. I am ready, forced to become a philosopher, already in my twenty-eighth year. Oh, it is not easy, for the artist much more difficult than anyone else. Divine one, thou seest my inmost soul. Thou knowest that therein dwells the love of humanity and the desire to do good. O fellow men, when at some point you read this, consider then that you have done me an injustice. The decline of Beethoven's hearing meant he had to let go of his cherished view of himself as a pianist-composer. Much of his reputation in Vienna had come from his virtuoso playing. In facing the end of his performing career, he was losing an important part of his identity and half or more of his income. He answered the depth of his despair with the opposite forces of his will courage and defiance of fate. Beethoven had as much courage as any human being can have. In my own life's journey I know something of Beethoven's despair because in 1979 and 80 when I was beginning my career in the arts working as an assistant director on a production of T.S. Eliot's play The Family Reunion at the Royal Exchange Theatre Manchester I had a colossal nervous breakdown. Like Beethoven, I've only ever talked about this to a very few trusted people, but I'm thinking it is appropriate at this point in time to talk about this part of my life for the first time because I'm aware of all the people worldwide who will be facing a long journey with long COVID. It is a very different reality knowing that one is facing a long maybe lifelong condition. Like Beethoven, who knew when he realised he was going deaf. But there is another purpose in talking about this part of my life, which is to show the redemptive power of music, in particular in the music of Beethoven. I have already spoken about Beethoven feeling he was losing a part of his identity in realising he would no longer be able to perform in the role of pianist-composer. I can say I felt 
I had lost not a part but my entire self when this happened, what Beethoven called the hammer of fate. This rhythm he picks up again in the opening of his great Fifth Symphony and hammers out the hammer of fate. I needn't go into the reasons for my breakdown here, but from this experience I understand how impossibly hard it is to come through this or to be faced with a long-term condition. I, who had been so literate all my life, my family background being one in which, for generations, we had been readers of literature, found I could no longer read or write. I had to teach myself again, painfully and slowly, how to read and write. I also lost all sense of my skin being a container of myself, so if I was in the street, I felt I had no protection, that everyone was looking straight into me, into all my thoughts and feelings. The world invaded me to the core of my being, and I had no separation from it. Like Beethoven, I lost nearly all my income, like many people also in this Covid pandemic. The onset of this was completely shattering. I had no idea at all what was happening to me. Then as the time passed and the months turned into years, I realised what a terrific power of will I would need to call on to recover and live the years ahead. In one sense, I was immensely fortunate. Because I could not look after myself, for example, I suffered the ultimate humiliation in finding it difficult to wash myself. Cooking for myself was beyond my capabilities. So seeing this, my twin brother and my sister-in-law took me into their own home. This was very fortunate. I sat there day after day, trying to teach myself to read by working out the first sentence in Proust's À la recherche du temps perdu. Yes, there is comedy in everything, as Beethoven shows in his music, often moving almost in the same phrase from comedy to tragedy. After a long time, I returned to my own home, and there, night after night, I lay on the floor listening to recordings of Beethoven's late string quartets. Many people, on first hearing Beethoven's late string quartet, in B-flat major, opus 130, think that this is music itself falling apart and that Beethoven himself must be doing so. I also listen to the cavatina from the B-flat quartet, which Beethoven marks adagio molto espressivo over and over again. The music was redemptive in that Beethoven came to me as my greatest companion in expressing this song of endless heartbreak. His music mirrored my sense of heartbreak, disassociation and isolation, as surely he himself must have felt, being by this time in his life profoundly deaf. Some people have said Beethoven is trying to shatter music itself in this quartet. We do not know, but I know I myself felt completely shattered. At this time, my twin brother played the French horn in Hertfordshire Chamber Orchestra and throughout this whole period took me to their concerts. What did they think? That a zombie was sitting at the back of their audience? Many people made similar remarks about Beethoven, 
for being deaf his powers of conversation were greatly impaired. However, again I was fortunate in that the people in this orchestra were unfailingly kind to me. I now attribute listening to their music as a huge contributing factor to my recovery. During this time I did not sing, and I had been singing all my life. I eventually took it up again, first singing with Chelsea Opera Group and then with Highgate Choral Society. As many people know, singing is also a great healing force. In this way, the genius of Beethoven came into my life again, because for many years HCS has been engaged to sing in Beethoven's Ninth Symphony at the Barbican Hall in a concert taking place just before the new year. As many will know, Beethoven chose joy as a central force in this, his most ambitious, late symphony. John Swafford writes in his book, All along, the only real fulfilment of Beethoven's life had been the joy of understanding his gift, of losing himself and his pain in the raptures of making music. In that dimension, the ninth is a hymn, not just to redeeming joy, but to the redemption music itself can provide. The ninth symphony is a secular work, with a sacred interlude in the middle of the finale. Here in Schiller's visionary stanzas and Beethoven's unforgettable setting, all humanity joins in a loving embrace. I myself love how specifically Beethoven realises language and music. Schiller's words in the Ode to Joy are Be embraced, you millions, this kiss for all the world. Brothers, over the starry canopy, a loving father must dwell. Do you prostrate yourselves, millions? Do you know the Creator world? Search for him over the starry canopy. He must live there beyond the stars. The vision of the Ninth Symphony is that, as loving brothers and sisters worldwide, east and west, we will find here on earth our joy and peace, and that we have to find that ourselves. Beethoven set the words, Humankind, help yourself. What words can be more meaningful to our own times of COVID and climate change? Jan Swafford writes, When the bass soloist speaks the first words in the finale, an invitation to sing for joy, the words are addressed to everybody, to history. There's something singularly moving about that moment when this man, deaf and sick and misanthropic and self-torturing and at the same time one of the most extraordinary and boundlessly generous men our species has produced, greets us person to person with glass raised and hails us as friends. Beethoven's work is about the whole of humanity. He is rightly compared to Shakespeare, who also writes about the whole of humanity. I have had the good fortune, during my work in my theatrical life, to stage nearly all of Shakespeare's plays, either in workshops or in full productions.
Because of the COVID pandemic, we will not be singing live Beethoven's Hymn to Joy this year. Joy is at the heart of the meaning of Christmas and the Christmas message, and I wish to all listeners this festive season joy, and also from the depth of my being, strength and perseverance to those with long COVID. I hope that any listeners who are feeling isolated and disassociated this festive season can find, like I have, redemptive power and companionship in Beethoven's music. As a companion piece to this podcast, the Live Literature Company is also releasing on YouTube our latest Shakespeare film, Shakespeare's Kings and Queens, which I directed by Zoom to my students in America this autumn. In the new year, we are launching a new podcast series, A Celebration of Companionship, thinking also of this time that we have all lived through in COVID and will be in the near future. Do join us then, and do invite your friends to follow us too. I leave you now with the beautiful piano playing of my friend Sam Hayward in lockdown in Thessaloniki with his digital Yamaha piano. He is playing for us the slow movement of the Patetique Sonata, which Beethoven composed when he knew he was going to be deaf. Until the new year, stay safe please, and goodbye.